whether you eat or drink. Whatever you do. 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 Or whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Welcome to Whatever You Do. I'm Danny. And I'm Abby. We're just best friends trying to figure out how to bring glory to God in whatever you do. Welcome back to another episode. Here we are on a Friday night in the Lego room. After meatloaf. <laughs> I made the kids come and clean it this afternoon. They did a 90% good job, but... Less anxiety walking in. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah, meatloaf is a pretty traditional... Friday night meal. Almost, almost didn't get it down. choke it down tonight, but... Managed to. I was kind of glad it was meatloaf, because I feel like of any meal, even if it doesn't sound good to you, when it, you start That's why when it, I'm standing there, and my mouth is salivating, and I'm sweating, and I'm like, I'm going to throw up. I'm like, why do I feel this way about meatloaf? I love meatloaf. I don't want to feel this. I know. And then I was like, maybe if I just go throw up, that I can eat meatloaf and enjoy it. So... But you didn't. I didn't. You just laid down, and I... Yep. Toss the meatloaf on your bed. <laughs> Danny angrily came into my room. I was trying to get revenge. Because on Wednesday night, she didn't want to eat, and I brought her a bowl, and she got mad at me. And... I didn't want to eat it. She didn't want to eat it, and she felt like Everybody was, was watching me. Torturing her. So she brought me a plate in my bedroom when I was about like to here. And throws my this plate of meatloaf onto my bed. Tossing the meatloaf off the plate onto my white sheet. Permanently staining it. (laughs) Meatloaf oil stains on your sheets. (laughs) Uh, I guess I should be confessing and repenting about my anger meatloaf (laughs) tirade. Yeah. But the shame of it will always haunt me (laughs) on your bedroom sheets. (laughs) I'll never forget that stain. (sighs) Hopefully the bleach will take care of it. You never know. We'll see how long it takes me to take the sheet off and bleach it, though. Right, and we'll be, we'll be on there for a while. Well, and well, and uh, you come to visit me in. in my like postpartum, and you're like, Is this, oh, is no, this the it's sheet? It's just meatloaf. Still- <laughs> like, here, I thought you were leaking out of your birth pads, but no, it's just the meatloaf stain. Oh, my. So, that was what's happened so far tonight in our mm-hmm. lives. Um, we were just getting into a lively discussion we always have pre-discussions and And, but we're not trying to we talk about things that we're like we actually don't want to talk about things that we think we want to talk about because we want that's the whole point of the podcast it's (laughs) to talk about things that we want to talk about to each other so we try to avoid those things and talk about other things but then we start talking and we're like oh no why didn't we press record first so we were right in the middle of a discussion and said we should just press record. Yeah. We were discussing the summer Bible reading challenge, which is a Bible reading challenge that was, I think, originally what started by the women's ministry yeah. at Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho, mm-hmm. and eventually branched out to the men having their section of it, too, and... And many other churches. Many other churches, it's not just yes. their church. Exactly. But. And there's a Facebook group that many thousands mm-hmm. of people have now. And it's a real joined. novel idea. 
reading read, the Bible. <laughs> read your Bible. The, the premise is to read your Bible. And if you miss days of reading your Bible, to just read your Bible some more. Yeah. Um, the analogy she uses is like feasting, like coming to the table and not... Like if you don't eat one day, you don't get to the next day and say, well... I didn't eat yesterday. Or if you get to lunch and you didn't eat breakfast, you're not like, well, didn't eat breakfast, so can't eat. Mm-hmm. You're like, I didn't eat breakfast, so right. I'm really hungry. I better eat lunch now. That we need to be, like, feasting on the word and not and allowing, not like, guilt and shame to, like, prevent us from, like, following this strict schedule that, like, we miss a day and then we're like, well, we'll try again next year. Right. So been a it the plan is pretty intense in the sense that um covers a lot of bible you read the full bible over the school year from september to may and then and the new testament twice right no just just new once yeah in the school year in the school year and then over the summer months you read the new testament again and so over the course of one full year you read you've done the new testament twice and the old testament once so, it's approaching the end of the summer Bible reading challenge. Yeah, the end of August. And we'll close that up and um, the, the summer of one is only four chapters a day. A day, and you have Saturdays. Every Saturday is like a catch-up day. Saturday and Sunday, essentially. But right, they encourage that Sunday is your time in the Word should be primarily in your local right. church and. Um, not to say you can't read your Bible outside of that on yes. Sundays, but they don't schedule it in a way right. that would require you to read on Sundays to keep up. Yeah. And the, through the school year, it's six chapters a day. So. And there's like catch-up days every couple of weeks usually, but it's not like every Saturday is a catch-up day. Right. So. It definitely. What brought up the conversation is us talking about like Danny adding in. more school for her kids and me adding more school for my kids and like feeling like we're doing the summer Bible reading challenge and we're hanging on and then we're like oh but it's gonna get longer, longer. soon and we're adding more school things yeah but my we were able to make it through the whole thing last our last school year mm-hmm. we our family has kind of made it a thing that we get out our Bibles and we turn on the audio Bible and we listen to it while the kids who can read also read along and Mm -hmm. I read along and we've tried to different points in time we've tried oh we'll sort laundry while we listen to Bible and occasionally we still do that if it's just like feeling like we're in one of those emergency days where We need to get caught up on multiple things. But overall, we try not to do things like that that would make it easy to be distracted and not really be paying attention. But, excuse me, it does help. It helps me a lot to be listening to it and reading it. It feels like overkill, but it... Even with reading words on the page, even out loud, I feel like I can just allow myself to go into yeah. like I'm reading it but I'm not really paying attention and mm-hmm. so yeah if you guys 
haven't heard of it or have heard of it but haven't gotten started. Or you have gotten started and just stopped. Fell off the wagon. Yep. Breakfast is tomorrow. I guess tomorrow's Saturday. It's a catch-up day. See? You can catch up. <laughs> yeah, read all the chapters <laughs> even. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll try to... I say we'll try to post a link, but I don't do any of that. Abby's the one that... <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe we won't. Maybe you'll have to work for it. And send us a message and then I'll Or Google Summer Bible Reading Challenge Christchurch and <laughs> probably find it. Yep. But... We encourage you. Jump in. Read and the Bible. it's fun to, like, know that believers, tons of believers, not just the ones at your church, are, like, literally on the same page. Yeah, they use the hashtag same page summer. For this summer. For this summer yeah. to just remind us all that we're literally on the same page mm-hmm. with other people. And it has, I've had multiple times where little short brief discussions will come up with someone else Mm -hmm. that are relevant to you know we're having a conversation and it's like oh yeah like in the reading yesterday and they're like oh yeah -hmm. yeah I totally noticed that too you know and um so that's kind of neat yeah hmm so that was that part of our conversation we were trying to have without you guys the other part was trying to figure out we're just gonna be we're just gonna be you guys we've tried to warn you from the beginning but it's been a while that part but also we're not professionals we don't have a plan we really know that may be hard to believe (laughs) we don't know what we're doing to the point that we're not even sure what we think what we think we think about that we even started this podcast. So. Yes. The premise for all this time behind. I feel like there were two main thoughts behind this podcast. One was. Tell me them. <laughs> one was that we had people, at least I did, and I'm assuming you did too. And if mm-hmm. you didn't, you would have soon. People who are intrigued by the fact of what our life is. Yes just wanting us to talk about our life, which is hard for us to understand because it it catches off us off guard once in a while of remembering like, oh, right. This is my normal. my normal life is far from normal and not what a lot of people experience. And yeah. so people are curious about it. Because for me and for Abby, it's just our normal life and it doesn't really uh, don't get me wrong. We love our lives most of the time. We are grateful for our homes and our being neighbors and having mm-hmm. the children we have and the husbands we have and the church we have, all of that. But it doesn't feel like anything extraordinary. It just feels normal. It mm-hmm. just feels like, well, yeah, these are my kids and this is my husband and... This is my church, and and we have to eat meals, so we have to do laundry. So that part felt hard to really, why do you guys really want us to... Talk about, it feels like we talk about nothing. And if you feel like that too, well... Great. We agree. (laughs) 
But if you actually are interested in the nothingness we seem to talk about, then that's great too. We feel like there we know there's some seem of to be a lot of people that were ahead of time before we started this podcast, yes. and there seem to be forty something of you that listen to us still every week on a regular mm-hmm. basis, at least. I mean, usually maybe sixty by the time it's all said and done. Yeah. Stragglers catch up with us. Yeah. Um, but. The other aspect of the podcast, probably the one that we were more feeling like there's not a lot of conversation about, is the whole issues and aspects surrounding birth mm-hmm. in our culture. The problem is, and what made us hesitant to ever want to start a podcast on it, is that while we hold convictions strong enough to influence decisions we make in a pretty big way mm-hmm. and that have really changed us and how we do things dramatically over the years and over the course of our births, mm-hmm. we still don't feel like we have a strong and confident apologetic as to why we hold the convictions we believe and we're not willing to even say this we're not willing to say these are right and wrong things right but on on one hand it feels like we don't want to be making black and white statements we don't want to be saying mm-hmm. this honors god and this does not mm-hmm. but, but on, we also but, don't want to not acknowledge like God's design in how he created the process to be. And we're still working through trying to figure out what we do believe and why we do believe it Mm -hmm. in these things. So it feels difficult to make these plans of what we're going to talk about and how we're going to address it when we don't feel confident that we can say this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad. From a, like, moral, biblical stance. Like, we can just sit here and talk about, like, episiotomies and, like, statistics and what it is and why you wouldn't want to get one and why they do give them. And But that all feels Well, and to to some degree, it, it even feels like statistics and research and all of those things can feel so biased and swayed mm-hmm. by whoever's doing them and and I feel like our our issue in it comes back to the question every time of like but why does it matter and does it matter right like does it matter to care about our births and how they play out or should we just walk into it like wanting to just cut me open and take my baby just out do whatever you want I don't whatever care whatever is the most I don't. convenient whatever is the most comfortable whatever's like is that wrong to have that attitude we don't really know (laughs) but at the same time we hold convictions we hold convictions and we also hold experiences and those things get tricky and they play together and then and i think that's why birth is such a touchy hard topic to talk among women about because everyone has different experiences and very strong emotions and feelings and their own 
experiences and stories they've heard and those types of things that makes it a really hard conversation to have. Yes. But we still really started out this podcast with a heart for wanting to have these conversations and Mm -hmm. wanting to, I think, especially be able to pass on the information that we got at different points throughout Mm -hmm. over the years and throughout different pregnancies and through different experiences with our births that we look back and say, well, if I would have known, if I would have known what I know now Mm -hmm. when I was pregnant with my twins, then I would have done X, Y, and Z differently. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize, I didn't know, I didn't understand this aspect. I didn't, I wasn't aware of this thing. We want to be able to have conversations where we can throw out that information and the reasoning and line of thinking behind why it does matter to mm-hmm. us and why it is something to think through without saying this means it's always wrong or you should never mm-hmm. do this or this isn't a decision you can make prayerfully with your husband. Right. Or And also understanding that there's idolization, like we've said, on both sides of the issues of yes. like there's women who idolize home birth and idolize natural birth and idolize all these different things because they feel like it will make them feel strong or empowered or or even they start out with a good intention of wanting to give god glory in it but to the point that then when circumstances come along and god is is leading them they it's we idolize our children sometimes like Mm -hmm. we we are called to love our children we are called to care about them but when we start to care about them on a level that is now no longer seeking the lord and trusting Mm -hmm. his plan and seeking wisdom and seeking our husband's input and and really being prayerful and and acknowledging that it's not always going to be one way then it can become sinful to even do the thing in which we thought we were honoring the lord yeah and this isn't like a hospital birth versus home birth Although we've said this from the very beginning that because of the way the systems and structures are, are, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but the way that they are structured, the way they're set up in our culture, especially it, it does very much feel and will come across as being presented as a hospital versus home birth. Mm I think that's where we struggle with trying to know where do we start this conversation and where where do we how do we show you what the what is the goal and what are we trying to accomplish because we're not trying to accomplish a specific like having a home birth right but I mean it gets to the it gets down to the root issues even of of the the mom that you the the woman family the husband and wife that you meet that say we feel convicted to trust the lord with our fertility and be open to as many children as he might want us to have that and an understanding the um, amount of kids that may or may not come from that mm-hmm. but then e- it's not a logical process of thinking then. So I'm going to schedule my C-section for 39 weeks for no reason other than the convenience of it for my first baby. Because there's statistically evidence that shows that there's 
a huge risk. It would be unwise to just schedule C-sections and have major abdominal surgery as your way of giving birth mm-hmm. if you're looking at potentially being pregnant. Multiple times. Right. Every yeah. time that you're pregnant and every time that you have an additional C-section, there's a huge risk that gets added yeah. to that. And there's huge medical complications that can come from that. And so... And this is also, just to give caveat upon caveat, not saying that if you had one or two C-sections that you should not trust the Lord with your fertility and that you should not do that. We're just saying that seeking out a C-section for your first baby when you want to allow the Lord to give you as many babies as he will... Just, just out of from, convenience. Just, just from a logical conclusion, it doesn't make sense. It's not how mm-hmm. you would... It's like... Set yourself or your future babies up for you healthy. You don't say that you're going to, like, save up to buy a new car and then not put money aside to save for... Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You don't seek that out out of no... Right. ...reason. Um... But trying to figure out where those lines are and what what the issues are, what you're allowed to say, this isn't as good for a mom and a baby, or this is doesn't really affect a mom and baby, because on some level, you know, everything is going to affect the mom and baby mm-hmm. to some degree and in some way, but who is it to say what is positive and negative and who... Right. Is it just, you know, and we can look at, that's where it gets into, well, this study shows right. this and this and this. And but this a lot of it shows... comes down to, like, heart issues and where different people are at in their lives and what... It's both. It really is both. Yeah. Because when you have a study coming out that shows that gut health for a baby is established majorly when they come through the vaginal canal of the mother and that it mm-hmm. was designed... To work that way. Mm-hmm. And that by doing a C-section, that step of birth doesn't happen. Right. That's not yeah. saying you're a bad mother. That's not saying you don't care about your baby. That's not saying any of those things. But we can still acknowledge the fact that there is bacteria that gets passed to the baby that they are finding mm-hmm. establishes in their gut from an early mm-hmm. age that they medically is being right. shown to have what right. but that's where i'm saying who says it's beneficial consequences like what what determines what's good or bad we mm-hmm. all have to make those those judgment calls of like but even like saying that it feels like even to say that a baby gets good bacteria by passing through the vaginal canal the assumption is that that is a good thing but then i feel like anyone hearing that who's had a c-section because of like all the emotions that happen and all the experiences it feels like it immediately feels like you're offending somebody just by acknowledging something that god designed it to be that way right but we can still acknowledge that there's times where c-sections are absolutely an amazing thing to preserve life and to keep the health of mom or baby and that that doesn't that shouldn't make a mom feel guilty because her placenta started coming away and she needed to have an emergency C-section and her baby missed out on the bacteria because it's like, in that situation, it's bacteria or your baby's going to die. Like, And, uh, yeah, this isn't, 
my mind is going like a hundred different directions. What's she gonna say? But thinking about the fact that so Abby just gave an example of a life or death, a true life or death emergent C-section situation. But what about to the mom who, like you, you as a mom who wanted to be induced, had some semi-okay reasons for... Mm, not really. I was just done being pregnant, essentially. Right. But I feel like you could justify it in the sense of yes. like, well, I need to have this surgery done. And the sooner I have my baby, then I can get that scheduled. And yeah. things like that, that where now, where you're at now, you're like, it, it was totally unjustifiable and it was mm-hmm. not good reasons. But I feel like at the time, in the moment, you didn't just feel like... I have no good reasons and I'm doing this just... I don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel like your mentality and attitude was just this, like, rebellious one at that point. Yeah. I mean, yes, you wanted to be done, but I don't feel like it was in the same vein as if you made that choice at yes. the end of this pregnancy. Right. But the cascade of decisions mm-hmm. led... It's hard because it's like... You can call a C-section that was very, very necessary in the moment, but can you still acknowledge that it was overall unnecessary because if you hadn't taken the steps right. you took to get there? That's, I think, a very, very, very important distinction because I think that's where it can get really tricky in a lot of the emotion and of a lot of people's experience is, my baby was crashing, I needed to have a C-section, how dare you, like... Assume that we it was would have died, or the baby would have died. Right. There's a the first problem is. Do you truly have the facts? Did your care provider manipulate you into feeling that way in your vulnerable state? And have you actually looked into the facts of what were, was actually going on? Have you gotten your medical records? Do you really know that it was truly an emergency, or is right. that what they led you to believe in order to manipulate you into making that decision? Right. And as much as you want to say that doesn't happen, it absolutely does happen. Yes. Do I think that's the case of all doctors in Mm -hmm. all situations? No. I think there are absolutely situations where babies are crashing and it's an emergency. And Mm -hmm. and, but then the second aspect of it is what decisions were made up to that point that led to that happening. Needing to have like I know for in my case, I chose to get induced because I was felt done. As I'm choosing to get induced, spent a few days of having cytotech and Pitocin that was causing my body to have contraction after contraction with very little break at all for the baby to, like, recuperate. And so after doing that for a good 24 hours, my baby's heart rate started to decelerate after getting, you know, Pitocin and all those other things because I was having tons of contractions, but they weren't dilating me. And so they had to do... They had to add on to it because... If I'm just having contractions, but it's not dilating me, that's not going to get me to a baby. So they're adding Pitocin, even though I'm having contractions two minutes apart. And then the contractions I'm having that are two minutes apart get even more intense, giving the baby even less of a break to recuperate. And then we get to a point where it's like, well, the baby's heart rate is decelerating and it's not safe for her to be there anymore. And then I go back for a C-section and it's like, was the baby's heart decelerating and I went back for a C-section? Probably. It, at that point, it was probably really necessary for me to have a C-section. 
But it was my decisions leading up to that that led to that needing to happen. It wasn't just, good thing I was in the hospital for my induction because my baby's heart was decelerating out of nowhere. I have no idea why. And You wonder, too, if, especially in a situation like that where there wasn't a, a real medical reason to induce, mm-hmm. it's like you get... The mom, the doctors, everyone get down this one track mind of like, this needs to produce a baby Mm -hmm. at the end of this, like today or tomorrow, like we're having the baby now. Yeah. That you wonder, like, if they had just turned off all the Pitocin, given you time to rest. My midwife, even the midwife that I had, she came in and she even said, well... You have two options. This was before her heart started decelerating, but when I wasn't making any progress, really. She's like, we can shut everything off and you can sleep. We can give you some, like, pain meds to sleep. We can do a C-section or, I guess, three options. Or you can go home. She, like, told me I could go home and, like, not continue with the induction. And I was like, well, I'm here. I've, like... And told everyone like, I'm having a baby and I'm going to meet my baby. I'm not right. going home. That was like, almost felt like offensive mm-hmm. that she would even be like, you can go home. I'm like. And I feel like that's amazing that you had a midwife that would give you that option. Yes. But I feel like the majority of that time, that's not even presented to right. a woman. Yes, very much The so. doctors are very much on the same page We're as here. the woman. Yes. Of like, we just need to get this over with. Right. Like, We've started the process and now you're taking up. It's too risky to yeah. like send you home. Right. Yeah. So you wonder how many times if they just gave the mom and baby then a mm-hmm. really We're solid talking good specifically chance. on when we're inducing for something that is not a medical correct indication. Just uh you're 39 weeks and you want to schedule your induction? Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of doctors that do that. And there's a lot of women that are done being pregnant. It's uncomfortable and it's really hard at the end. And you want to meet your baby and you want to be able to plan when your husband's going to start their time off and you don't want them to I feel like we even have these conversations with each other at the end of our pregnancies of like, I wish we could unknow what we know and we could just go to the hospital and have our babies. Yeah. I mean, there's want a lot of aspects of... Wanting to have that control and or even I guess it's really a false sense of control because it's not really control. It's it's a very strange mixture we've gotten ourselves into as a culture because we act like we are taking control of all of these things. And yet we recognize that this in the same breath, Mm -hmm. like, well, but we don't really know what's going to happen and we need to just trust the Lord and we need to like it's going to be all according to his plan. And yet. We want to meddle with it. And that's where we're trying to still work through and figure out, like, well, why why is it wrong? What makes it bad to meddle with this process? Mm-hmm. And there's very clear things that we know when you interfere in the birth process leads to another cascade of, of interventions. It's like the snowball effect of as soon as you start adding in Pitocin and then an epidural and then the cascade of other interventions that usually need to take place because of those. But you have people on the other side of these issues that will tell you that, oh, an epidural doesn't affect the baby at all. And that's where I think it gets really tricky. It kind of comes down to 
whose study am I going to believe and what experiences am I going to believe? It really comes down to your own experiences or other people's stories that you've heard. Right. And then a lot of times it feels like you end up wanting to use the research that backs up. Like, well, I had epidurals for like three of my births and they all were totally fine and I Mm -hmm. could feel how I needed to push and I didn't even Mm -hmm. push you know you hear one person's experience and then you want to counter it with like well but your bad experience doesn't negate my good experience with it right and I think it also comes down to like when we see the epidural as like our way out of having to feel the effects of like sin in like the curse of childbirth being painful and we view the epidural as like I can not have to go through that pain I think it's easy to to see that as like okay what studies can back up why that's okay mm-hmm. not to say epidurals are evil or bad or sinful to get but we and have we're not in any way saying that because childbirth increased the pain of childbirth increased during the fall that we're saying we are now like mandated and required to walk through that in order for our salvation to be complete. We're not, it's not, it's this conversation that is ongoing for Abby and I that we want to bring up and we want you guys to also be thinking through is one of what makes these different aspects moral and biblical or not and honoring to God or not and Mm -hmm. what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And we can't, I think the hard thing and the um, intimidating thing for us sitting at this microphone and trying to figure out how to present any of this is because a lot of times we come back to, well, we think for me in this time, I feel the best with this decision Mm -hmm. before God. Like, as Chip and I have talked it out, we feel best going this route in this pregnancy with this birth that, but we don't feel comfortable saying, and so everybody else needs to do that at all times too. Do it this way. But on the other hand, we still want to say, but why are you doing what you're doing? Are you being prayerful in what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Are you being selfish in what you're doing? Are you educating yourself in what you're doing? Are you trusting people and giving responsibility over to people that shouldn't have the responsibility for the decisions you're making. And I think that's what gets tricky is because even asking those questions. Well, and even trying to figure out what responsibility am I allowed to give over to Mm -hmm. someone else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when it's the same thing in educating our kids. We know we have to be we have to answer before the Lord for how we train them up and how mm-hmm. we educate them. and But that doesn't mean we can't ever have them learn from other people. Obviously, we very much live in a society where, not just a society, God created community for the purpose of having different gifts and different yeah. skills. And it's, it's not to say, well... You can only teach your child and you can't ever have anyone else teach them anything. Mm -hmm. But it's, are we being conscientious and aware? Are we really going before the Lord and determining, am I being a wise steward with my child by Mm -hmm. allowing them to be taught? And ultimately, am I owning the responsibility? 
over in the end. Right. right. Am I owning the responsibility that I am giving permission? Mm-hmm. I am making the choice to have them be in this environment or in this situation or under this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes with making decisions about your birth. Right. It goes all the way back and your pregnancy. Yeah. And so then to lay a foundation like this conversation we've just had, but then to know where to dig in to where does this start? What does this look like? I think we've touched on some of, I think some of our recent podcasts and things we talk about, we're, we're working through all of this, but we're not doing it over the microphone in a blatant way of when we talk about what we're eating in our pregnancies that's something that we've come to a recognition of. I'm the one who chooses what I'm eating or not eating. Mm-hmm. It's my responsibility to know what is good for my baby and my body and what isn't. Mm-hmm. It's not my responsibility to go and have someone else hand me a list and just do whatever they say. Right. Is that a bad thing to get that information, to get their opinion, to get their studies to get their expertise no that's not a bad thing it's great to research things it's great to gather studies and data and information and have even a midwife or a doctor or whoever telling this is a good idea Mm -hmm. but then we need to take the responsibility to evaluate for ourselves and not just say well this is what they said I have to do. They told me. They said 300 extra calories, so I've been eating extra Snickers every day, and I don't really know why that's not helping. Like, right. right. You know. So, I think we've been desiring to be able to be more blatant mm-hmm. in Especially as these we're... Discussions. We knew these discussions are going to be happening more and more between us as we're progressing in our pregnancies, just like the last pregnancy. These just come up more often in conversation between us as we get further along in our pregnancies because we're thinking about these things more often than when we're not pregnant. So I'm sure it's a topic that is going to be wanting to discuss more. and. But even when we come to conclusions and say well you're making this decision because you believe it's what like you're doing to honor god or whatever understand that when we make those statements there's there's additional conversations that we can't record every single one that we might be holding each other accountable to a conviction we know the other person has Mm -hmm. that we're not necessarily saying that this is the only way for every person everywhere to honor right. the Lord in their pregnancy or birth decisions. But that we do feel pretty strongly about that our culture in, as a whole hasn't taken the route of looking at the process that God did create and then supporting that process. Mm-hmm. They've manipulated and changed the process a lot. And we, we do feel like there are things that I would say... I feel like are deceitful. Mm-hmm. When you have a doctor tell you that Pitocin is the hormone that your body is making for labor. That it's the same thing. That it's exactly the same thing. That we're just giving you exactly what your body makes. And then you research and find out that Pitocin is a synthetic form of oxytocin. But And some doctors go as far as to call it oxytocin. Mm-hmm. They don't even call it Pitocin. Yes. 
it's synthetic oxytocin. It's a, it's a man-made mm-hmm. version of oxytocin, which does very similar things. Right. But when you drop the word synthetic and you don't explain that it's not the same hormone that your body is creating, mm-hmm. and when you don't understand that... The hormone loop and the things that need to The other place. hormones that yes. oxytocin, when it is being actually created by your body how it's interacting with your baby and with the other hormones your body's creating. Mm -hmm. And that when you're given Pitocin through an IV, that doesn't happen the same way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't create the cascade of hormonal effects in the same way that the hormone that your body creates when labor starts naturally Mm -hmm. does. That's like a huge, that's, that's, that feels like a lie to me that Mm -hmm. as I learned it, I felt like, well, you made me feel like this was it just exactly the same as right. my body being in labor. Mm-hmm. But now I'm finding out all of these things that it's not the same and that it's not doing the same things. And that not my body doesn't out. even have the same receptors available and created to actually receive the Pitocin mm-hmm. in the same way as right. true oxytocin. And not only are you finding out through like research, but you're finding out through experience of and through not using of things that aren't working well all the Mm -hmm. time and sometimes it works great and sometimes people have great experiences and sometimes people think they had great experiences because it's the only experience they had and it resulted in a baby that they love baby Mm -hmm. and so I mean I would say that was very much my first birth was Mm -hmm. there are many things about it that I look back and I'm like oh like that was really awful like I'm sad for my 21 year old self that I thought all of that was normal and mm-hmm. okay and that you know all of that happened that way and yet I viewed it for years as being great mm-hmm. because I became a mom and my baby was healthy and I was healthy and you know I thought this was just what birth was and there's nothing to complain about because yeah, there are some hard parts, but... Mm-hmm. And maybe I would have still had hard parts. I, I'm sure... I'm not saying I wouldn't have had any hard parts. I'm not saying that at all. There would have been. It's just difficult when you see that hard part, I'm very convinced, was a direct result of this decision I made that may not have right. had to be. Right. So, are there still sucky things that come from even if you leave the process alone completely? Yep. Yep. <laughs> but we should at least be able to know how the process was working and I originally think designed to ultimately work. that's probably a big underlying foundation of all of it is is acknowledging that where we are both at is that we believe God created just like he created sex to be this beautiful intimacy between a husband and wife uh, hormones are connecting and things that are happening in that, those moments that God created and designed to work and can it be broken distorted abused yes yes absolutely can it be completely can made? sin cause issues in the marital bed that isn't a re- or outside of, of marriage right. completely to create but even like physical problems that is because of the fall that makes sex not be as easy or as it was once designed to be. Or pleasurable or connecting or all of those things. But our foundation is that 
God created birth to have different hormones coming together, our bodies working in a certain way, and that, yes, the fall has happened, and yes, sin comes, and abuse can take place, and things can be broken in it, but we still want to come back to the root of, like, but how did God create the woman's body to birth a child? Right, and why are we meddling with that process when we meddle with it? Mm -hmm. And... What are the risks of meddling with it? And are we prepared to take responsibility for accepting those risks? And so, again, I feel like we end up giving this kind of overview with different, like, snippets of, of different topics and aspects thrown in. Yeah. But it's really difficult for us to figure out how to start approaching them one by one as what we believe about Pitocin and have a whole episode based on that and because of the fact that we're not just like uh, you should never use it it's always horrible there's never a place for it Mm -hmm. we would fall on the it's way overused there's major risks that come from it it does not get a true medical consent does not happen on it often where you mm-hmm. really are listed out the risks and benefits and really told Understand. the mechanics in which it's like the process of how it's working or not working with your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to try to figure out a way to, to talk more about those things. And I know we've said it before that if you guys have questions to message us and we get some and then we don't read our messages or we don't address <laughs> them but I read the message I know but then we don't remember talk what about they them. are but we're gonna really try so so if you have especially in areas of birth things you're thinking through or struggling through or just kind of wondering we're not gonna probably have these well laid out like this is exactly what we believe about this and this is why we're going to have these conversations that are like what do we believe about this Mm -hmm. why do we believe this well I think it's because but then again what about Mm -hmm. this and Mm -hmm. so you'll get us you'll probably just get to hear us have the same rambling that's happening in your own head about it but (laughs) I don't know sometimes it's good to be able to know you're not alone in that and yeah just keep thinking and praying through things so yeah should we give a short i don't feel like we gave any like weekly updates of well i feel like we gave the last four episodes of updates on our life that it was about time we i know but about something different i don't know don't you ever listen to podcasts and you're like like to get the little okay go ahead what's your weekly update how many weeks are you i'm 18 weeks now okay and i'm feeling feeling good i'm feeling good but i feel like this is probably the first week that i've felt like my belly is starting to feel burdensome Mm. already and it's a little bit daunting that I'm 18 weeks and feeling that way yeah 
feeling my baby a lot more, like, definitely daily. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. It's always a nice, like, oh. Hi there. That's why my belly feels Mm -hmm. so obtrusive right now. (laughs) Because of you in there. Um, I am... I have kind of restarted after just falling off of my eating well and fitness type goals in the first trimester and then starting the second trimester having birthdays and vacations vacations and things like that. This was my week that I set out to try to be more intentional about being active and eating better again. Um, I successfully only ate one cookie this week, which Kenzie went to a friend's house on Tuesday and made cookies with her friend, and I didn't eat any of those cookies. But then we had company over for dinner last night, and their daughter had made cookies, and I ate one cookie Nice. With everyone. I did eat a little bit more pasta and bread than I wanted to. I had a good... We had good friends over last night in the sense... I mean, we like them a lot. They're good friends that way, too. But you know you've hit a jackpot when you invite people over and they bring the majority of the food. (laughs) And then they do... A majority of the dishes for you. Oh, wow. At the end. I'm not even that jackpot of a friend. I know. You're not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you are because I leave half, I leave the dishes with at your house when we, with you and yeah. that's, we, it's even. But we had spaghetti and salad and green beans and bread and cookies. Mm-hmm. And my responsibility was to boil the spaghetti noodles and cook the green beans, which I should also add, we weren't even going to have green beans, except I wanted to have green beans, too. So they would have been just fine with the mm-hmm. salad that they made mm-hmm. and homemade the dressing. And mm-hmm. then I had to buy the bread, which was pretty tough. But she even <laughs> cut up the bread when she got to my house. Wow. So I knew who I'm having back over for dinner. <laughs> Tiffany, I don't even think you listen to this, but if you do... If you ever do. Big shout out to you. You're getting an invitation from me next. So, Abby's like, why haven't... I had more dinner times with them. (laughs) You've had them over for dinner, and you were the gracious one who made the whole meal. Yes, yes. Um, So, I did that, and then I swam... On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, all three days that I was planning to swim, I made it. Way to go. And I tried to work out on Tuesday night in my living room late at night. I got through the (laughs) warm-up in, like, (laughs) half of the first round. Wow. And then Deke started crying. Mm -hmm. I'd already, like, put him to bed. And so I paused it to go and, like, help him. And then Chip got home, and I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm not going to finish. <laughs> I think that's still pretty impressive. And I was so sore from it, and I was like, this is so discouraging because I was clearly doing the full workout before, yeah. and now I can't even make it through half of the first round. It's like three rounds long. Uh-huh. 
And wow. I, I feel like I've still, that was on Tuesday and right now is Friday and I still feel like I'm walking like... Sore from that? Yeah. And then Thursday was going to be my other day of working out. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, sorry, my phone is buzzing at me. Oh, my husband's coming home from work. Well, I'm ignoring you, babe. <laughs> he's going to listen to this, too. He listens to my podcast, this podcast, every week. He's our, one, one of our faithful listeners. I didn't realize how faithful he was, but until recently. Hey, he, Chip. So, I put on my workout clothes in the morning when I woke up with the intentions of I'm going to work out and then I'm going to get ready for the day. Mm-hmm. Definitely still had my workout clothes on after I had the company over. <laughs> <laughs> they like showed up and I'm like, hmm, I'm definitely not dressed wearing like, I was wearing like a hot pink sports bra that has a lot of crisscross oh, yeah. in the I, back. I know that one. But I was wearing it with a maroon shirt. Oh. It did not, like... Yeah. Not that I, like, normally try to coordinate my, like, sports bra. That's the point. Yeah. It was workout clothes that I wasn't planning on, like, hosting guests. And... <laughs> but it was kind of one of those moments where it was, like, their kids came over to swim, and we were all outside, and they were swimming, and mm-hmm. it just felt like... I don't make a big deal about it. Maybe everybody will just think Not I planned notice. it to be this way. <laughs> um, so then I convinced Chip, since I had eaten all that pasta and bread, I was like, will you go for a walk with me before oh, bed? Oh, that's so why you went for a walk. Last night we went for a walk at like 10.30 at night. And it was still gross, gross out. hot. It was like 90 degrees and... Mm-hmm. Just like you want to go outside at 1030 at night and think that it will just at least be a little refreshing. Something. Yeah. Maybe not even refreshing, but it, it's like at that point right now where it's not just not refreshing. It's like still like mm-hmm. gross. Yeah. Where you're like, mm. but we made it. We walked around the whole neighborhood loop. Nice. Proud of you. Thanks. So... Expect in a couple of weeks to be hearing similar updates from you. You've got, <laughs> you've got two more weeks, Abby. Yes. I did do a little better this week than not getting off my couch and eating Pringles I like know. last week. I know. I did, did work out a couple of times. I and know. I did make a little bit better choices. I still ate ice cream. When? A couple of times. Abby! <laughs> You're only good at telling me the times you refuse ice cream. <laughs> That's true. But making me think that you're making these good life I choices. I did. That regularly. was last week on the podcast when I told you about refusing ice cream. I know. And this is me telling you now that Tim bought ice cream and I didn't refuse it. How much puppy chow are you going to go home and mm, eat? Puppy chow makes me feel like crap. I know, me too. So It gives me weird heartburn even yes. when I'm not pregnant. And it's like I can eat all of these ingredients the separately. I can eat the peanut butter. I can eat chips. But it I makes can... me feel horrible. Yeah. I don't know why. And it's so sad because it really good. is delicious. But Tim doesn't make it like I like it anyway. So well, that's a relief. It makes it feel like when he pours 57 pounds of powdered sugar on it, I'm kind of like, this is just eating a bowl of powdered sugar mm. and it really does nothing for me. So that's helpful. Yeah. Maybe you'll make it through tonight unscathed. Might be. Unless you get the pickle. ice cream out. No, he finished it last night. Oh, well, what a... Good husband, husband. taking one for the team. <laughs> you know 
what? This is like conjuring up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yep. I don't think we have time to go into that right now, but yeah. Good time. We'll just give you the little blurb that Tim may or may not. He's a skinny guy. He's Very like a small, small, small man. He looks like he's like 17. But I used to say 12, but he's he's matured. He's, he's aged he's to 17 to the upper <laughs> teens now. But he may have gained a solid 50 pounds. No. Didn't Your he say, are going up. I said You said 30, oh. then he said 40. Now it's 50. No, he said 40 or 50. <clears throat> I think I would feel confident based on their guesstimations with a solid 40 pounds. Okay. Because in my between first 30 pregnancy. and 50 pounds. Yes. But he definitely was... Chunky. A little ch- chubster. So we were all looking at so, pictures of him. I think it's just making me laugh that he finished off the ice cream last night and he's making the puppy chow tonight because... He's good. Maybe he was inspired by our reminiscing of his fat, fat chin pictures. <laughs> we'll see how much weight he gains He's this pregnancy. He's hoping to get back up there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that's pretty much no real updates. Still having sucky days and good days for me. House is coming along. They yeah. did some drywall today. Yeah, there's looking Walls. like rooms forming yep. you can't just walk through the walls anymore you still some can. of them you can buy half of them but it's getting real getting real so and two weeks we found out what we're having yeah abby's so excited <laughs> we better do a podcast episode that night after we find out since you're going out of town the next day oh true yeah we'll update you fresh i've been trying to think Ever since you said uh, if Melissa asked what we were going to do to reveal it, I'm like, <laughs> my first response is like, why do I have to do anything to reveal it? Like, Abby and I are both going to know. We're going to find out together. But there are a whole lot of other people that are going to want to mm-hmm. find out, and it's going to be. I thought about just super- Facebook living our ultrasounds but that just feels like it would be a really really long facebook live yeah and really hectic and and chaotic and not really knowing like it's almost like we'd have to be very clear and take a break of like yeah so did you hear that like this is what's going on and i feel like it would really take away from the whole moment experience experience doing it together so i'm not super on board with that but and I don't want to do anything I don't want to do what any fun ideas have I you come up I with I don't want to do the cliche guys things. she's getting excited but you guys are maybe going to have to give some ideas because I hate all the cliche ones I don't want to stand under a box and have someone <laughs> dump confetti on us I don't want to give cut us a cake something open. totally new don't want to smash Graceland really wants to, us eggs. to cut a cake open I don't because I know. I'm just like, telling you that she wants cake. Well, she can make a cake the next day for herself okay. of whatever color she wants. <laughs> but I, I'm, we're, we're, we're thinking it out. Give us some good ideas that Danny won't hate, because she'll hate most of them. I feel like it's hard because a lot of the ones that I would be more drawn to would be fun ones of like. If our kids didn't know and we were going together. Yeah. Like. Well, let's not let our kids go. They, they'd be so mad at this point. <laughs> but wouldn't it be cute if, like, 
You know how they give kids, like, silly string yeah. cans? Yeah. But, like, if we have two teams... I totally feel like my kids wouldn't like, care about going if long as they had something fun to find mm, out with after. My kids would want to go. Really? Mm, I wouldn't, wouldn't. My older kids especially like to see the baby on the ultrasound. Mm. So, I don't know. But well, I also thinking. feel like we have to do it that night. And yes. it's... By the time we're done with the ultrasounds and home, like, it can't be this big hurrah, like, we're not going to be, like, out in the dark in the front yard, like, get your silly string cans ready, children. <laughs> do them in the basement. Do them at five in the morning, the next morning before we leave. Anyway, officially our longest episode ever. Is it really? Yep. You say that so many times. No. One hour We've is never definitely. made it to an hour. Look. Well, let's keep talking for nine more seconds. Eight. Seven, six. <laughs> All right, five, though, send us four, your ideas. Three, two, one. We can announce it. An hour long episode. Congratulations. Goodbye. Bye.